to explore the University of Exeter's podcast where we meet people from right across our community. I'm Jo Cole and today I'm going to be talking about the impact of the changes of presidency in the United States of America from Donald Trump to Joe Biden and what that means for America and for the rest of the world. And to do this I'm joined today by politics researcher Will King. Will, welcome to our podcast today. Thank you, it's lovely to be here. Can I ask you, first of all, a call for unity was very much central to Joe Biden's speech at the inauguration. But he also said, this is our historic moment of crisis and challenge. And I wondered how much crisis and challenge is there within America at the moment? Well, I think there is quite a lot of crisis and challenge across the entire United States from from the, from the domestic economy, which is obviously faltering after the pandemic, which is obviously another thing in itself, um, to enormous racial divide, as we've seen with Black Lives Matter protests, as well as um, the nature of, of how divided America is, even politically. So Republicans don't, don't talk to Democrats, Democrats don't talk to Republicans. Um, and essentially how Biden deals with this, as well as, you know, um, dealing with things like student debt, um, obviously healthcare costs are spiraling out of control, as well, um, as well as all the other cultural cleavages and all the other political divides that um, America's facing right now. Um, America, I don't think, has faced struggles like this since the 60s, or if you want to be, if you want to go even more further back, maybe since the Civil War. And obviously, the we saw a few weeks ago with the storm of the Capitol, which is the first time that has happened since. Um, the 1812 war when the British burned it down. So I think that tells you something about how the divide in America is becoming extreme. And obviously Biden called for unity. Um, we'll see how, how we manage to do that because right now it does seem quite difficult. So is he the, the best man for the job at the moment or the worst man for the job at the moment? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. I, I'll say, I'll say, so a lot of people, particularly on the left, didn't like Joe Biden because they felt that he was the epitome of the old kind of Democrat um, who maybe wasn't best suited for the 21st century and maybe some, they should have gone with someone like um, um, Elizabeth Warren um, with, with Pete Buttigieg or maybe with Bernie Sanders, who, although um, he... Although he's an old, he's old, I think he's older than Biden, at least he, t he typifies a lot of... Um, left-wing socialist ideas which more which more young people in America are turning to and especially more of the democrat young as well um but however though the thing is is that Biden beat all those people in the primaries and then he beat Trump now so whether he or not he's, sorry he has got an incredible amount of experience as well which obviously oh, nice. in in this current situation with all these different hmm. um, things that you have to tackle is an advantage, is it? Enormously, yeah. I was a huge advantage because um, one interesting thing about Biden is that he was the youngest person to be elected senator, and um, he was 30 years old in the 70s when he was elected to the Senate, and now he's the oldest person to be elected to the presidency in 2021. So I think that's a nice bookend there. Um, he's got an enormous amount of political experience. I mean, he first ran for president in, 1980, in 1988, where, of course, his campaign was sunk because he plagiarised Neil Kinnock. So there's an interesting um, British political link there. Um, so and of course, he served as vice president under. Of course, he served, Trump. and he was yeah. So obviously, he served as vice president from from 2008 to 2016, 
And obviously he has had enormous foreign policy affairs. I think he was made chair of the foreign policy, Senate foreign policy committee in 2001. And obviously from 2001 to 2008, obviously extremely important times in the Mecca foreign policy, um, Turkey and Iraq, Afghanistan, as well as the, so over the whole range of the George Bush presidency, which obviously is extremely important for monitoring what, how, where Mecca is today, especially foreign policy terms. So really, really important. So, yeah. But whatever someone's view is of President Trump, he has shaken things up. So the political landscape that Joe Biden would have known throughout his career up until perhaps the end of the Obama presidency is different, isn't it? And the, the environment within America is different. Oh, enormously. And so I think a lot of what people are saying is just like, oh, with Biden, we can get back to normal. And I said, well, that normal didn't quite work for a lot of people, which is why Trump managed to, it's why how Trump got elected in the first place. And so if going, it's, if, if all Biden does is go back to what um, is perceived as normal, then we might be stuck in the same in the same place in a few years' time. But I mean, you saw Trump, you know, at unilaterally um, in our sort of affairs. So he withdrew from um, the World Health Organization. He withdrew from the Paris Agreement. Although them, although Trump's arguably our successes could be in um, negotiating peace between Israel and some places in the Middle East, so such as the UAE and some and some other places like that. Um, Biden's job in healing a lot of lots of divides that Trump has placed um, will be a difficult one because Europe now feels they can't entirely trust the United States, which is some reason why Europe, well, the EU rather, signed a, a recent um, agreement with China, much to the displeasure of Biden and the American government in general. So that's going to be interesting to see to what extent um, a lot of places which were prior like Cowtown United States are now going their own way. So the world has changed. And how will and how will things like um the whole sort of fake news um situation that, that has been very much in the forefront over recent years, how how much of an impact has that had in America um, and beyond? Well, I mean fake news, I think I've, I mean if you've seen the biggest example of fake news has been the whole QAnon scam whole QAnon scenario where um, I won't go into it now, but um, essentially QAnon basically posits that there is a Satanist cult running the United States and the world. And so all the Trump's actions were to undermine this and reveal this Satanist cult and save the world. Obviously this is nonsense, <laughs> but, the, but the whole element of that was able to spread so far and so fast, especially on social media, I think is something which we really have to look at and basically can we put that genie back in the bottle and to send I think you'll see social media start to be restricted far more but you also have to think about why do people believe these things why do people believe conspiracy theories and why do people believe fake news and whether that's say do to improve people's material circumstances do we have to implement you know civic education so people can determine what um what is accurate what's not accurate and also, we have to look at some of the biggest fake news, which is not even social media. It's on it's in broadcast and print. So in the UK, you have um, some of the print media isn't entirely truthful all the time. And obviously, in the United States, you have Fox News, which, as well as uh, as well as other broadcast networks. So obviously, we have to um, look at seriously the whole range of um, media is be it online, broadcast, radio, or print, or whatever kind, and see. 
be more transparent about the political bias of well, exactly, and, and also the funding about where it comes from, because then it gives us clues about how we can identify what the source are, what their bias is, and how we may um, develop critical faculties in order to determine, you know, what is fake and what is real. Because it is fair to say that, although obviously Biden won the election, mm-hmm. Trump polled a lot of votes. Yeah, Trump got 70, 75 million votes. It's a lot of, that's more people than that's in the UK in total. You've got 68 million, 68 million people in the UK and Trump got more votes than all, all of that, which is remarkable. So, yeah. I read somewhere that um, the riot at the Capitol building had obviously caused some of those voters to rethink how they would perhaps place their vote if they were voting today, for instance. But mm. um, we have any sort of idea of how much support still remains for Trump? Well, I mean, I read somewhere that 20% of all American voters believe that the march in the Capitol was justified. So that's one in five people in the United States, which is not great, <laughs> to say the least. And so you've seen this whole... I mean, the, the thing about the Republican Party is it's now a party of... It's now two parties. You've got the you've got the conservative um, old kind, you know, the ones who who believed in the rights of law, who ones who believed in your conservative principles. Um, so that's typified by George Bush's, by your Liz Cheney's, who you may or may not agree with them, but they at least have some conservative principles behind them. But now you also have the um, kind of Trump wing of the, of the party, which is far more radical, far more angry and far more willing to tear up conventions and do what whatever necessary to do what they think is right so how much of us what is the situation now with the republican party what are they as you infer there that they're split and what hmm. do they do now where's it well it's the thing because like do if they go down fall down if they, i mean there's rumors that trump will launch a new party and if he launched a new party that they'll probably be about 20 percent of 20% of the Republican vote off the top of my head probably gone, which will cripple them in a lot of presidential and state ballots. So that would be... So if a, if the Republican Party doesn't play it well, then they potentially could be split and they will, they will find it very difficult to win. Of course, we said this before, after George Bush um, was... To, after George Bush, George Bush went out in 2008 and Obama was elected, a lot of people said that the Republican Party would never come back, but they did. So whether or not the Republican Party will adapt, it probably will. But if it doesn't, then it'll be for a very rough time. But you are seeing this divide between the Republican base and the actual Republican Party in itself, because the Republican Party are excellent at listening to their base. But whether or not they are they were able to adapt will be will depend on what Trump does and also will depend on how Biden does as well. So speaking of splits we have a, a situation now where the senate is split between the democrats and the republicans as well mm. which places the new vice president kamala harris who herself as we know is the first woman vice president and the first black and asian american person to hold that role yep. but she mm. is now going to on occasions have to do the casting vote mm. what sort of what sort of pathway is she going to have to create to ensure that this unity happens well i think it makes 
every single um, person in the Democrat and Republican Party, the most powerful people in their respective parties, because it's so finely split. Um, and it's interesting because although, so although um, Biden has had lots of sense experience, he's never had experience. He's, I don't think he's really experienced a 50-50 split before. There, uh, when, especially when he was vice president. So he's, I don't, I think he was really called upon to use his um, vice presidential like tiebreaker vote, which is really interesting. So especially, especially when he was vice president from 2001, I think there was a 50, 50 split. So there was some experience there, but interestingly, I think, so Colin Harris will be vital, but also another person to keep your eye on will be Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who is a conservative Democrat who, um, has said things like he's not happy about you know two thousand dollars being sent uh, to be sent for stimulus money to every every American um, for to help resolve COVID. He's not happy with um, you know one point nine trillion dollars in stimulus spending. He's not basically, um, and I do believe that people behind the scenes are hammering him saying please just vote for this because otherwise the Republicans will um, kind of scupper a lot of. Um, plans the Democrats have and there's also things that can be done in committee as well but the way that I think the, the diplomacy that will have to happen to get um, Kamala Harris and all the, and to actually get these things through is going to have to be really really sophisticated and really clever because, because she follows the same route as Joe Biden in his inauguration speak, speech yeah. he was very clear that he was a, a president for all Americans, whether they yeah. voted for him or not. And if she's mm. following that similar pathway, yeah, you know, you, you can't just vote on the side of the Democrats all the time. No, exactly. can you? But th- because now the parties are now so polarised, it's going to be extremely difficult. And one thing that Mitch McConnell was very good at doing was basically ensuring that Republicans did not split and they did not um, accommodate the Democrats in any way. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. So basically, will there be much horse trading going on? Um, I think like Biden should be able to get all of his um, appointees through because there was a fear that Biden had before the Georgia elections, um, where if so, say if the Democrats had won those, then it'd be very difficult for Biden to get his preferred nominee picks through for the cabinet because that get because they get approved by the Senate. So that is something which shouldn't be an issue now. But it's going to be really interesting to see um, the congressional horseplay and congressional kind of diplomacy that goes on, because we'll see to what extent um, Kamala Harris is good at manipulating the Senate as well as um, the president himself. So we'll see a few things come to light over the next few days. But the call for unity, I think, I think is good. But in I think the reality of it may not come to be so much, especially on the con- congressional side, just because the two parties are so polarised, the parties do not like one another. Um, because because we saw that the Republican Party was um, very mostly behind Trump all the way until the Capitol riots. So, um, and obviously the Democrats were not, fun, were not fans of Trump at all. So we're going to have to see what's going to happen with that. But I do not anticipate a lot of unity breaking out in Congress right now. Maybe one or two votes either way, but I do not see a high amount of unity. Speaking of President Trump, mm-hmm. what do you think will happen to him now? Because it, previously he'd spoken about being a candidate in the next presidential election. Well, this can be really, 
if, if he's impeached um, and convicted, then he won't be able to stand for federal office again. And then, we, and then, because this is something he was probably he was rumored to do if he lost twenty sixteen, um, he was probably going to start the Trump News Network. So, I mean, whether or not now he's actually able to do that, um, because Deutsche Bank said they're not then to him and they were his main backers. Um, a lot of companies won't deal with the Trump name. The Trump name is hated. His family is disliked. Whether or not he will be able to do anything in the business world is severely hampered. Severely hampered, especially because he's going back into the world with a pandemic, which has primarily hit hospitality, which of course was where his money is from, as well as real estate. Um, so that's be interesting to see where it goes. But if he's not convicted, then I, I think he'll run again for the Republican um, candidacy in twenty twenty four. Whether or not he'll make it is another thing. But if even if he doesn't stand because he's too old or he doesn't feel up to it, um, one of it, one of his children will. And one of his children will definitely run within the next three or four presidential um, um, elections anyway. So I think either Trump will form a new party, he'll either form his own news, news network or he'll stand again. That's the thing he's going to be. And obviously under under larger clouds than he was under last time. So we haven't heard the last President Trump at the moment. No, absolutely not, no. He's just um he's just biding his time, as it were. So we'll see so we'll see what happens, but I reckon we'll well, because obviously he's not on Twitter anymore, which which he must be infuriated by. He must be furious he can't be on Twitter anymore. And I can I can guarantee he's got an old like alter like alternative account somewhere. But um, I th- yeah, but he's th- he's not done with politics at all, and at least a, and a fair amount of the Republican Party um, will be happy to have him back. So we shall see what happens. In the meantime, then, what is the impact of this change of presidency for the rest of the world on a global stage and for the UK? Well, if you take it from the rest of the world, um, first of all, I think. Um, Europe will be happy because Trump was on record, but I'm saying I want I dislike the EU and that he kind of wanted to break it up. Um, so the EU's happy, although the EU, EU has said we can't really trust the Americans again, so we're going to go our own way slightly more, which is interesting. Um, <clears throat> with the Iran deal, um, Trump has said no, Biden has said that he wants to re engage with Iran, which is interesting, and obviously because that deal was in severe danger of collapsing. Um, under Trump. So now with the US re-engagement, we should see more progress towards disarmament in that region. With Russia, um, so Russia has, and the United States have, they've, they've got very long, they've got until February of this year to renegotiate a new arms control deal. So they have to hurry up with that. And Trump was signaling that he didn't want to do it. Biden is saying that he probably will. So that's interesting there. And obviously engaging with North Korea is that probably won't happen on the same scale as Trump did. Um, so whether the progress we'll see towards in that area will be um, significant in its difference, probably. But with the UK, um, obviously Farage appeared a lot at a few Trump rallies and Farage visited Trump um, when he was elected. And you've, you you saw people like Michael Gove as well as other people visiting Trump after he was elected as well and Trump Town. And the Conservative Party was probably hoping for a Trump victory, which didn't happen. Um, because obviously 
um, Trump was more supportive of Brexit than maybe other Americans are. Um, and Biden is um, allegedly furious with Johnson for um, potentially violating the Good Friday Agreement and risking Northern Irish peace. So we're going. So how the UK government reacts is going to be interesting because right now they're a bit frozen in the headlights because they were like kind of lying on Trump victory to get a US US trade deal to get all of this stuff done. But now that looks a bit in jeopardy. And I think because the government now looks a bit lost. So we shall see what happens. But um, this, I wouldn't say it's a, it's not, because I think if Trump had won again, then you would seriously have to look at, at the possibility of US democracy being in danger. And the dangers now, is, danger hasn't gone because Biden's won, but, but essentially Biden has to do well as president. And if he doesn't do well, then you could see a more, a less uncouth, a, a more polite Trump, a more intelligent Trump-esque figure coming along, and that will be dangerous for US democracy. So we'll have to see what happens there. But um, at least Biden, even if he he won't be perfect, but um, for what it means for US democracy, it he will stabilise that. But his task is to kind of heal that and keep and stop the rot from growing. He seems... Um... I mean, from what you're saying, he's he's got quite a lot of work to do. And yes, he seems to have got on with it right away. So he's signed some uh, executive orders mm. in the Oval within hours of his inauguration. What what did they say about his direction? It says that America it is kind of re-engaging with the world. Um, it's not America first is now, you know, it isn't a thing anymore. So, I mean, so you. If you look at what he signed on the first day in the executive orders, he saw that he signed, you know, agreements to um, re-engage with the World Health Organization to rejoin the Paris Agreement to enjoy, to re-engage with these multilateral um, um, organizations. And also you saw um, you know, more funding for think for things like birth control and abortions in NGOs and things like this, which is something that every Republican president um so since Reagan has abolished and every single Democrat president since Reagan has also um, fought back. So it's this tug of war. So that's something interesting we've seen. Um, but yeah, we've seen America, which is far more willing to engage with, with the rest of the world, but the rest of the world is not so willing to engage with America so much these days, especially as they've seen that maybe we can't trust everything with America and maybe we have to go our own way. So whether or not, so whether or not America has been facially weakened and it's, it's still a world superpower, still enormously powerful and enormously wealthy and the military is enormous and its economy is influential and soft power is beyond, is beyond compare. But whether or not America w- can remain the top dog anymore um, for much longer is something which is going to be debated and whether or not... Yeah, so I think there's some really interesting things about American power politics and how the rest of the engages with it. Essentially, the American wants to engage with the with the rest of the world right now, but everyone's a bit hesitant. So, so when we get back, say in 10 years time, 30 years time, 50 years time, do you think this moment now will be seen as a pivotal moment in America or do you think that's sort of over-egging it? Well, if we look at 10 years time, we won't know because either we'll have just come out of the second Biden presidency or the first Kamala Harris, depending on what um, Biden wishes to do if he retires or dies or 
for their campus with him. Or if a Trump figure comes in, rather look at the Biden um, presidency as an interregnum between, you know, um, more authoritarian American government, governments. Or, um, so that's something to consider there. But if, if looking 50 years time, um, I think we, is, I think it's the same thing. We will either see it as the turning point away from, you know, Trumpian governance, away from populist um, strongman rhetoric to a more convivial, more congenial style of governance. Now, whether or not um, that will be effective, will something that we'll have to see over the next four, maybe eight years. But either it will be seen as a turning point or be seen as a blip in the road to um, American authoritarianism. Fascinating stuff and plenty to watch over the next four years and beyond. Will, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your expertise with us today. We really appreciate it. And as I say, plenty to watch for for the next few years. No problem at all. I really, I really enjoy being on today. And yeah, so I would just keep watching BBC and CNN. It's the only thing a lot of people are going to do over the next four years, maybe eight. <laughs> Great. Thank you very much. No problem at all.